If Theology Nara has blessed you or challenged you or encouraged you on some level, then I would like to invite you to consider supporting the show by visiting patreon.com forward slash theology in the raw. You can support the show for as little as five bucks a month and get access to various kinds of premium content like monthly Q&A podcasts, the ability to ask me questions and dialogue with other Patreon supporters. Uh, Gold level supporters are able to participate in monthly Zoom chats where we talk about uh, pretty much everything. Those chats can get pretty wild sometimes, and I absolutely love it. So join the uh, Theology and Raw community by signing up at patreon.com forward slash Theology and Raw. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology and Raw, the first of 2024. Happy New Year to you all. I hope you didn't miss us too much. We took a week off last week, and uh, we're going to start off with a bang here in this New Year's episode. What I want to do is give a um, a raw review of 2023, kind of reflect reflect on some things, and then uh, cast a vision for 2024, tell you about some exciting things coming up in the new year. So let's jump in. Okay, so uh, first of all, a couple years ago, I, I actually created a mission statement for Theology in a Raw, and uh, it's funny, the podcast has been going since 2015. Um, we have over a thousand episodes, 1200, maybe 1100. I forget something like that. It's over a thousand. Um, and, uh, for the first several years, I didn't have any kind of mission statement cause I didn't have a mission. I didn't have a purpose. I just podcasted. I kind of woke up and said, Hey, I'm going to talk to this person. I'd talk to that person and hit record and throw it up in the internet somewhere. And I've got some people that produce it into a, a podcast and that's, that's what the algen has been for many years. But a couple, uh, two or three years ago, I was like, you know, I, I, maybe I need to like actually reflect more uh, thoughtfully on, on what it is we're doing. So I developed a mission statement and it goes like this, the Theology and Raw podcast aims to help believers think Christianly about theological and cultural issues by engaging in curious conversations with a, a diverse range of thoughtful people. That's what Theology and Raw is all about. I think it was a couple of years ago when I unpacked every jot and tittle of that statement. I'm not going to do that again here. Um, but I do want to just highlight the piece toward the end there that this is engaging in curious conversations. Theology and Raw is more like having conversations with a conversation with, with your neighbor, like your literal neighbor. Like you go out to get the mail, your neighbor's out getting the mail, and you're like, hey, Frank, how are you doing? And he's, and he's like, well, good, Bob, how are you doing? And like, oh, what's been going on? Well, um, I've been watching the news and I've been thinking about, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, what do you think about that? And then you just, you know, you engage in that kind of mailbox conversation. Does anybody do that anymore? Is that a stupid <laughs> that ever happens? Has that happened since like 1978? I don't know. I actually haven't engaged in a mailbox conversation in probably five months. Anyway, you get the point. Uh, this is more, uh, uh, Theology and Raw is more like curious a curious conversation with your neighbor than a sermon from, a, a, a polished, planned, biblically precise sermon from the stage of a church, okay? And I think that's important to understand. And, and some people that maybe um, have conflicted opinions on Theology and Ra, I think part of it is uh, they maybe don't quite grasp what Theology and Ra is, is trying to do. So, uh, for instance, I, you know, the, we, we often hear about the fear of, you know, platforming certain people, certain viewpoints that you don't agree with, like that, the whole idea, it's just, it just doesn't, the whole fear of platforming doesn't even apply to the nature of what this particular podcast is. Now there's other podcasts to do, you know, they'll have, you know, sermons, lots of podcasts are just, you know, sermons or it's uh, straight up just biblical teaching. Like, I think this is what truth is. And here's my defense of that truth. And here's, I, I want you to believe that truth. Like I do have some of those episodes where I say, okay, let's, let's step back. Let's look at the, what scripture says about a certain topic or idea. But when I have guests on, it is typically people I find to be thoughtful and engaging and interesting. And sometimes I'll have people on that, that I'm like, man, I want to talk to this person because I, I very, I, I really find their interpretation of scripture or their theological belief or viewpoints, or even their, their perspective on a certain cultural or political issue. I find it, I, I find it accurate and I want to uh, hear more about that. Or sometimes I just find it interesting, not necessarily accurate. Like I'm not sure if I agree with it or not, but I want to have them on to have a conversation. Like what better way to dive further into somebody else's perspective than to have a conversation with them. Um, sometimes it might be just a, um, a book or an idea or a person that is 
maybe created some waves in in evangelicalism. Um, and I'm like, ah, I'd like to have them on. Like, I don't know if I agree or disagree. In fact, I think I might even disagree, but I'd like to get some maybe clarity on on what their um what their idea is. So, so theology, it is not all about just finding people that I fundamentally disagree with on almost everything and then have them, you know, on the podcast to kind of preach a sermon at you all. It is, it is the whole nature of theology is different than that. If you want to uncritically just absorb what you think the truth is, that's not what this podcast is all about. So I encourage you to, you know, if, if, if you don't want to, critically and actively engage ideas that might be different from what you think is true than, than this podcast. If you, if like you're not into that, if, if that doesn't excite you, if that doesn't energize you, this podcast might be more frustrating than, than anything. Um, with Theology and Raw, you have to be an active listener. You have to question both what I say and what my guests say. You have to cultivate your own reasons for agreeing or disagreeing with what is talked about. Um, I, I sometimes, I, I, well, I do, I, I try to as much as I can, as much as it's not overly annoying for a conversation, I do try to represent sometimes a pushback to somebody's idea, even if I don't necessarily have that pushback. Sometimes I'm like, okay, well, what would a critic say about this? Like, how can we, uh, as I often say, steel man or steel person? I get people just say, still say steel man. Anyway, steel man, kind of the alternative viewpoint. Um, and so I, I do try to do that just to make for an interesting conversation, but I, you know, I can't do that with every single you know sentence that comes out of the person's mouth. Um, that that is something I, I I do try to navigate, and I I I probably fail more than I succeed at that. I don't I'm not a, I don't like debates. I'm like I'm not a debatey person, but I do I also don't want to have just a passive conversation where I'm just absorbing everything or just like not pushing back at all. So I I, I try to find that happy medium to to not make this about a debate. Um, but still to, to try to represent e- even alternative viewpoints that the person might be presenting. I try to do that as, as much as I can, but also not too much. And I'm trying to find that balance, you know, cause again, I mean, I honestly, the way my mind works, like I can, I can push back on probably three or four words in every sentence that comes out of people's mouths like that. My mind naturally is going there. So I'm constantly pulling back in my own mind, like saying, you know, let the person talk, let the person talk and, and don't, you know, it could be annoying if I'm just constantly just like pushing back on stuff. And maybe I, you know, and I've erred on that side sometimes too. So I just want you to know that I'm, I'm, I'm aware of trying to find that, that balance of having a conversation, let the person talk, let the person explain their viewpoints. And, and sometimes I'll try to push back. Other times I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to let them finish their paragraph, let them finish their, you know, might be a 10 minute idea. And then I might have one or two things that I even remember in the moment saying, yeah, but what about this? You know? So, um, so I'm trying to find that happy medium, and I would be the first one to say I probably fail more than I succeed about hitting hitting that that sweet spot. Yeah, so you have to be an active listener with theology and raw. And sometimes people will say something that maybe I don't even have enough knowledge base to to push back on. So maybe I'm just letting them present their viewpoint, and I I assume, but maybe I should say this: like I assume that the listener should do their own homework. Like I can't uh, always think for you. Like I'll do my best own, you know, I'll try to do my own like processing and thinking and, and push back where I can. And other times they might say something that I just have no background on. And, and some people, I have gotten this critique, you know, like, well, you just let that, you know, piece of error, you know, just go un- unchecked. And it's like, well, I, for one, I might not even know it is an error or maybe, I, maybe if I did do research, I would think like, no, actually I think they're correct. I think you're an error, you know, but I mean, the whole nature of this is to encourage people to say, huh, I don't know if I think that's correct. Is that correct? I'm going to maybe do some of my own research before I say that's wrong or that's right. I'm going to be like, oh, I need to do some more thinking on this. And if I don't have time to do that kind of thinking on it, then just let it sit in the back of your mind as a viewpoint that needs to be considered at some point. You know, One of the high values of Theology and Ra is diversity. Um, I try to cultivate among my guests, a healthy theological and denominational diversity. Um, I, I don't get some of the, ex- I don't have typically <laughs> some of the more extreme viewpoints if they're super progressive or super fundamentalist, or whatever, or if they just represent a position that I just don't find particularly interesting. 
Now I get some people saying, you should have this person on, you should have that person on. I'm not going to tell you which names that they've suggested. But part of me is like, I don't know. I just don't find that viewpoint interesting. Or maybe it's a viewpoint that I I was like just bathed in as a Christian growing up where it's like, I kind of have been there, done that. I just don't, to sit there and listen to something I've heard hours and hours and hours of that I either maybe fully agree with or fully disagree with. I'm like, I, I need to be personally interested in having a particular conversation to engage an idea, to engage a certain person. So, so all that, it's not just like a free for all, like I'll have any kind of viewpoint on, um, it has to be, uh, within the realm of diversity, theological and denominational diversity. I have to have a kind of a personal interest in hearing more about that position. And there's also, there, there's limits. I'm not going to have, you know, the leader of the KKK on to talk about why he, you know, is the leader of the KKK or whatever. Like I, that's just not, for one, I don't find it interesting. For two, it's just it's just so far outside of a viewpoint that I would even want to consider that, yeah, just not something I'm back. There's many other people I'd want to have on ahead of some of these more extreme viewpoints. So healthy theological den- denominational diversity. Uh, sex diversity, I do try to get as close as I can to 50% male, 50% female guests. I still, I mean, if I went back, I didn't do the percentages on this. I'm probably at 60, 40, 60% male, 40% female, maybe, maybe 65, 35. No, I think it might be 60, 40. Um, but I just want you to know that I, I am striving for, uh, I do, I'm, I'm aware the sex of my guests and I, um, like there was a, there was a time last fall when I kind of you know, I feel like every few weeks I kind of take inventory. I look back at like the, the guests I've had on, the ones I have planned for the future. And if it's very heavy on one side or the other, typically if it's going to err on the side of being more male heavy. Um, and if it is, I just want you to know that I am I am aware of that. There was a time last fall when I looked, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the last like five episodes were men and the next four I have planned are all uh, men. And I'm like, ah, I need to really work hard at um, making sure I just I don't the, that the podcast isn't dominated by male voices, even if it is maybe slightly tipped uh, heavier towards uh, a male male guest. Just so you know, I am striving to um, get as close to that fifty fifty mark as as I can. Um, and, and by the way, <laughs> so, it's not because I'm egalitarian. Okay, so so some of you, this is fun. So you, you, a lot of you know that I'm on this journey of trying to figure out what I think Scripture says about uh, uh, women in positions of church leadership, pastors, teachers, elders. I get asked all the time, so where are you at on that? I'm like, I'm still in the middle of my journey. And yeah, people think, didn't you solve that by now? And just so you know, I, yeah, let, let me give an update on that. So I, um, I am, you know, my research, my personal research project will end up being a book. And I think that book will probably be turned in right now. It's projected at, I think, summer of 2025. The manuscript will be turned in, which means the book will come out probably a year later. Um, so that's a still, I still have like a year and a half that I've given myself to spend as much time as I possibly can researching that topic. And I am, tr- and, and it's been what, a couple of years now since I've really started to dive deep into it. And and even then, even if it takes me three and a half years, that, that that's, that's still, I could still spend, I could spend 10 years on this. I mean, I've spent the last three months researching one Greek word, kephale, the Greek word head, uh, blogging through that if, if you're not aware on, on the Theology and Raw blog. Anyway, I'll, I'm getting off track here. But um, oh, oh, yeah, what's funny is <laughs> whenever, you know, because I've, I've been kind of like, hey, I'm not, I don't know where I'm at. And even if I w- is leaning somewhere, like I, I'm not going to voice that. Like I actually want to work out my thoughts before I start saying, okay, I think this this view is correct. Um, was raised staunchly complementarian and sympathetic with arguments on the complementarian side on, and on the egalitarian side. But it's funny, people who are strongly egalitarian have told me, you're so obviously complementarian, so just get over yourself. And then I've had people that are strongly complementarian who say, you're so obviously egalitarian, so get over yourself. So I don't know what to do with that. That's so funny. Like, be- <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, that that's another that's a whole nother, I don't want to go too far into a rabbit trail here. I'm already down pretty deep in the rabbit hole, but um, that's just interesting um, that if people are strong on one side or the other, they, I, I think they, they see me as not, I don't know, reflecting that viewpoint and kind of how I'm going about this. Anyway, all that to say, here's my, here's my point of even bringing that up. 
Um, my desire to have as many female guests as male guests is not because I'm egalitarian. This is not a theology. Not is not a church. My guests are not preaching sermons at sermons at you. So I, uh, I'm having curious conversations with people. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, honestly, complementarians, like healthy biblical complementarians, should eagerly want to talk with and learn from women. Like, if I end up landing staunchly complementarian, like strongly complementarian. I won't change my mission, my desire to have half women, half men on the podcast, because again, this is curious conversations with interesting people, thoughtful people. And I don't think the only interesting or thoughtful people are pastors at local churches and therefore should only be men. Since this is kind of like having curious conversations with wise, intelligent, thoughtful neighbors, uh, hopefully a biblical and actual biblical, healthy complementarian um, should have no problem with that. I know some might, but that's Biblical. So yeah, so so my passion, my desire, my value of, of, of trying to have as many women guests on as men is, is not because my my secret egalitarian leanings are coming out or something like that. Like I just think that's the Christian thing to do. Uh, I try to have diversity in, in terms of ethnicity, uh, age. I don't want to just have millennials or just have boomers. I like to have a, a mix of, of, of various age groups, various ethnicities. Uh, not because I went through some podcast DEI training or something. Um, it's because I see in the Bible that the kingdom of God is diverse. My passion for diversity is richly theological, not, not political. And I think that most of you, I think, know that. But for if you don't, if you hear me voice some passion for ethnic diversity on the podcast, um, yeah, it's for theological reasons, not, not political ones. One thing I do want to change or get better at is um, try to, if I'm having a guest on and if we're primarily talking about a book that they wrote, I want to do better at being more familiar with the book. Even if I, if I don't read the whole thing, I just no way at two podcasts a week on a whole range of different topics, it'd be impossible for me to read the entire have guests on every episode, talk about a book and, and, and I read the whole book. Like a podcast seems a, it's like a, a side job for me. I, just, I don't know if you know that. Like I, my full-time job is a president of uh, the center for faith, sexuality and gender. I also do a lot of independent speaking and writing and um, even theology and Raw is now turned into conferences and, and stuff, stuff that we'll, we'll get to in a second. So actual, my, my, my twice a week podcast occupies a, a still a, a smaller portion of my quote unquote work week. It's, it's getting bigger and I'm trying to put carve out more and more space for it, but it's not like this is, you know, what I do full time. If it was full time, then maybe I could, you know, read, you know, two books a week and, and thoroughly digest those books and have the guest on, but that's just unrealistic. And, and not every podcast is, is about an author's book, of course, but I do all that to say, I do want to do better at being more familiar with a book. If I'm going to have a guest on, that's going to primarily focus on talking about the book. I can't promise you I'll do it every time. In fact, just recently I had a guest on that'll come out in January and, um, I, I scheduled the podcast a month out and I ha had the book and I had plans of reading it, but my, the, the stuff I had to get to prevented me from actually reading their book and ahead of time, I'm now currently reading the book after I interviewed them. So that was a case where like, I just, just, the timing just did, didn't match up and I couldn't get to it. Um, but I want you to know that uh, I think in the past, I didn't even try to read the book. didn't even think about it. I was like, oh, I always have the guest on here. I'm going to do better at trying to be more familiar with as many books of guests that I'm talking about on the podcast as I can. Not, not perfectly, but better than I have been doing. Okay. Let's look at some stats. The company that helps me um, produce this thing sent me a year-end review. This is as of December 15th. As of December 15th, in 2023, there were 5,643,622 annual streams. So let's see, that's getting close to 6 million streams in 2023. That is up from, let's see, in 2022... Yeah, so that that's up almost two million, maybe eighteen one point eight million, uh, a, an increase of one point eight million from twenty twenty two. Sorry, I got all, all my notes in front of me; they're all kind of scattered around. Twenty twenty two total downloads estimated to be um, just over four million, and so in twenty twenty three it 
came close to um, uh, 6 million. The average monthly downloads in 2022 was 353,000. And I don't have an average here for uh, 2023, but I can tell you, I do have kind of a month-to-month breakdown. Well, here, okay, okay, so in January 2023, there were 456,000 downloads. That dipped in February to 367. I don't know why. Maybe my podcast just absolutely sucked in February, but it really took a dive. And then for the rest of the year, it pretty much went up to where in October 2023, we had just shy of 600,000 downloads. So in February, 376. By October, the monthly downloads was 590, and then 588 in, in November, December. We don't, we don't have the totals yet, but it's the trajectory is, is looking about the same. So a lo- it's, the Algernon has experienced a lot of growth in, in 20. 23, which is, which is great. I, yeah, I've, I think I say this every year. I, I don't, I don't care. It, that's, that's cool. That's awesome. I don't even know what to compare that to though. Honestly, like I don't, those numbers, they seem all high, but I don't, I don't know. Like, is that, I, I don't know comparatively if that's good, average, bad or whatever. I really don't care. Like I, I enjoy, I truly from, from the time I started podcasting to, to now it's, you know, obviously the podcast has grown a ton since the, the beginning when it was just starting out. But I don't. I've never done this, and nor do I do things primarily to grow the audience. I want to do have the kinds of conversations that I want to have that I find interesting, that I think are helpful for the church or the kingdom to, to think through, and let the number chips fall where they may. Yeah. So I, I'm excited about these numbers, but I, I don't. I don't know. It's it's um. That's not why I do that. I'm like I'm not. I'm not like, okay, well, how can I get these numbers up for next year and next year go up? Like, I just, I don't care. Like if they went down, I honestly wouldn't care. I would, I would wonder like, am I doing something that's ineffective for the kingdom if the numbers go down or maybe it'd be more effective. Maybe higher numbers mean I'm appealing to the masses more and I shouldn't be doing that. I don't know. I'm thinking out loud here. I'm in a crisis of podcast faith. Anyway, um, those are the numbers. Take it for what they are. Uh, percent, um, let's see, age demographic. The highest percentage of listeners are uh, 35 to 44. So what is that? Um, older millennials, younger Gen Xers. Um, the next highest, so that's like 25% of listeners are 35 to 44. The next demographic, highest demographic of listeners, 25 to 34. So millennials. The third highest demographic, 45 to 54. So we're getting older. And the next highest, the one, two, three... Oh, 45 to 54, the next highest, 55 to 64, the next highest, 65 and older. So my audience, I, I have a good percentage of older listeners, which I find awesome. Because I, I always thought like I would appeal more to younger people. Well, I guess the highest demographic is 25 to 34, but I'm, I'm impressed. There's a lot of older people that listen to this. Um, the lowest demographic is Gen Z, only like 4%, 5%. Of listeners are eighteen to twenty four. Um, I wonder if that's because I don't. I just don't know if Gen Z listens to a lot of podcasts. I think they do more YouTube. It seems like if I base it on anecdotally, like my my kids and their friends and everything, like they they know like some of the more YouTube stars. And my my friend group, my kids friend group, isn't really into TikTok. So I, I think that might be the main kind of source of entertainment or <laughs> or news um, education uh, is TikTok. But uh, my kids friend group isn't as into TikTok as maybe some other friend groups. I think they did. They do more YouTube. So some do podcasts, but I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know if uh, Gen Z is, is a podcast um, uh, listener as much as older people. Let's see. Uh, male, female breakdown. I got to get closer for this. Uh, female 40.8% are female male 59.20% are male. Um, I think that's pretty good. Like for a male host, um, typically the the sex breakdown is going to be heavily slated toward the sex of the the host. Um, and this one is is you know sixty forty. It's not 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 too bad. Of course, I would love it to be fifty fifty, but that, that's that's I'm I'll take it. That's I'm excited about that. Okay, top ten episodes of twenty twenty three. You ready? Drum roll, please. Make your guesses if those. You listeners who have been listening for a while, which episodes do you think got the most uh, downloads? 
All right, here we go. This is going to be fun. Okay. Um, number one, the highest, the highest downloaded episode two years in a row now. Not, not the same episode, but same uh, couple. Uh, a raw conversation about modesty and purity culture with uh, Sheila Gregoire and Rebecca Lindenbach. Uh, that episode uh, back in, is it March? April? Received 65,833 podcast downloads and uh, 4,663 YouTube oh, video downloads. Download the YouTube video? I thought they used to stream it. Anyway. Uh, that was number one. Uh, a lot of you remember that episode that got a lot of it. Well, it got a lot of attention, I think, on social media. There was a lot of um, conversations uh, after uh, that episode on social media. They got a lot of attention. And uh, Sheila Gregoire and Rebecca Lindebach, they're in, in 2022, they're on the podcast. And they also took the number one spot. The second most downloaded episode uh, was a Palestinian Christian's perspective on the Israeli-Palestinian war with Daniel Benora. 57,943 podcast downloads and over 10,000 YouTube downloads. That one, because that one was only, what, a month ago? And the Gregoire Lindenbach episode was way back in spring. In a sense, because, like, at the end of the day, I would imagine, given the trajectory, the the Benora episode will will surpass it will become the most listened to episode because it's only been out for like a month and it's already gotten that much. Uh, third highest, a raw conversation about sex and theology with Josh Ryan Butler, Doctor Sandy Richter, and Brenna Blaine. Fifty three thousand podcast downloads. That was one of my. I mean, all of these were interesting, super interesting. That one came at a really. Uh, I, I I was I was really happy with how that turned out. I'm glad we had that conversation. Um, I don't know if you remember, but like Josh Ryan Butler wrote a book called a beautiful, a beautiful union that, that got, uh, stirred up a lot of, uh, controversy on social media. Isn't it fat? This is fascinating. I've been talking to my friends about this, like how quickly things change given the news cycle and social media. I don't know what term I want to use here, sustainability, or just the lastingness of things that are driven, issues that are primarily driven by people that spend a lot of time on social media. It's fascinating that that, I mean, I feel like all hell broke loose when um, part of that book was released on the Gospel Coalition's website. Um, prior to the release of the actual book, and a lot of people were really upset at that article. Do you even remember? I mean, it's funny. It wasn't that long ago. It was like, well, this is technically December 20th when I'm recording this. So yeah, eight months ago? That, that's nothing. Like that's, But I mean, so many things have happened since then. I don't even think people even hardly remember that book. And then the book came out, and people read it, and people had kind of mixed feelings because the the article they didn't like and then some of the summaries of the article they really didn't like and so there was a lot of you know flare up about that and then the book came out and people read people that read the whole book in good faith were kind of like oh this is not bad some people were like this is great <laughs> um and then other things flared up and then summer came and then the fall came and things broke out in Israel Palestine and and you have presidential stuff and you have you know every 5 seconds on Twitter somebody's yelling at somebody else and so it just kind of moves on I don't know what the, that's an interesting, I want to have a podcast discussing, discussed, disgusting, discussing that the sociological, maybe even ecclesiological impact on the, how social media and the algorithms and just the whole, the whole, the whole genre of social media discourse dictates this, the fleetingness of social issues. Is that making sense? I'm, I'm just, I'm literally wording this on the fly. Anyway, there's been several things that like are, are just like flare up and they're just like dominating. I mean, for the small percentage of people that are active on like Twitter or X or whatever, like they just seem to dominate the world. Like every, you know, just, everybody's thinking about this. And then like within, you know, two days, like it's something else that comes up and like, what is that doing to our humanity? What is that doing to our ecclesiology? What is that doing to our hearts, our minds? our passions, our concerns, our actual justice initiatives, or however you want to word it. Let's have that conversation this year. Um, number four, fourth highest. Uh, do, you want, do you want to go through top 10? Uh, let me go quickly. Okay, I'll just list the next several. Uh, 
Number four, most downloaded episode, the podcast with Rick Warren on women pastors and Saddleback getting kicked out of the SBC. Number five, uh, from complementarian to egalitarian, a conversation about women and leadership with Nijay Gupta. Well done, DJ. Uh, number six, uh, the last 10 years of the church and LG- the LGBTQ conversation with Sam Alberry. Number seven, good sex, bad sex, marriage with Julie Slattery. Number eight, women in leadership part two, my lengthy review of 1 Timothy 2. Uh, number nine, neither complementarian nor egalitarian with Dr. Michelle Lee Barnwall. And number 10, dinosaurs, the Bible and the age of the earth with Dr. Jordan Mallon. Um, <laughs> that's uh, of course dinosaurs got to be up there. That was a fun episode. Anyway, a lot of these. So this is interesting. At least half of these have to do with women ministry. I guess purity culture would be up there. Um, yeah. So sex, sexuality, women. I guess, yeah, I guess half of them are, are on women in ministry. So uh, it shows that there's a big interest there. This episode is sponsored by Biblingo. Uh, Biblingo is an incredibly effective and efficient way to actually learn the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. Okay, so as many of you guys know, I'm a huge advocate for learning the biblical languages and not just for pastors or like theology professors, but for any Christian who is interested in diving deeper into the meaning of the scriptures, it is incredibly helpful to know Greek and Hebrew. I also understand, however, that you know, few people have the time and money to go to seminary or get a Bible college degree and, you know, take all the classes you need to take to, in order to learn biblical Greek and biblical Hebrew. This is why I'm so excited to introduce to you Biblingo. Biblingo uses modern methods of learning languages that make learning intuitive and fun. Some people like me are intimidated at the very idea of learning a language, especially an ancient language like Greek or Hebrew. But with Biblingo's research-backed approach, learning Biblical Greek and Hebrew is not only achievable, but it's actually I'm serious. It's actually fun. Uh, Biblingo has helped people from all walks of life d- uh, dive deeper into the Bible through its ri- original languages. All you need is 15 minutes per day. 15 minutes per day. Um, consistency is the key ingredient to learning any language. And with just 15 minutes per day, you can be reading the Bible in Greek or Hebrew in just over a year. Uh, Biblingo breaks down the learning process into interactive activities that can be completed in just a few minutes a day. Um, This makes it really fun and actually uh, doable. You can actually do this consistently every single day. So if you want to dive deeper into your knowledge of the scriptures, just go to biblingo.org forward slash T-I-T-R. Okay, that's Biblingo. That's B-I-B-L-I-N-G-O dot org forward slash T-I-T-R. And you can sign up for a free 10-day trial run. Okay, so try it out for 10 days, see how you like it. And if you decide to sign up, you can uh, use the code TITR and you can get 30% off a subscription for a full year. Okay, so biblingo.org forward slash TITR. Check it out for you know 10 days for free. Then use the code TITR to get 30% off a full one year subscription. I really hope you guys check this out. When it comes to reading and understanding the Bible, my number one piece of advice is to read the whole Bible over and over and over. It's so important to gain a good view of the forest before you analyze the trees. But sometimes reading the whole Bible can be really daunting. I mean, not only is it like a really large book, but let's face it, some parts can be super hard to understand. This is why I'm so excited about the Bible Recap, a one-year guide to reading and understanding the entire Bible by Tara Lee uh, Cobble, a friend of mine who I had on the podcast not too long ago, episode 1067. So the Bible Recap takes you through the whole Bible, and and then it explains each day's study in short two-page summaries of each portion of scripture that you just read. And what I love most about the Bible Recap is that it's focused on what each section of scripture reveals to us about the person and work of God. So it doesn't fall into like human-centered moralism. It keeps the focus on what the Bible tells us about God. In fact, a couple of my kids are actually going to be trying to read through the whole Bible this next year, and they're going to also be going through the Bible recap alongside their yearly uh, Bible reading. Uh, Tara Lee Cobble, uh, the author of the Bible recap, I mean, she's awesome. She's a relentless researcher when it comes to scripture and a, a super clear and engaging writer. Uh, and she's also the host of the super popular The Bible Recap podcast. Um, so yeah, I would invite you to go check out uh, Theology and 
Raw episode 1067, where I had an awesome conversation with Tara Lee Coble, and you can hear her heart for uh, God and scripture. Um, so I highly recommend buying the Bible recap for yourself. Uh, or for someone you know that's wanting to wrap their mind and heart around the storyline of Scripture, just go to thebiblerecap.com to find out more. That's thebiblerecap.com. Let me, okay, so let's go back. So, um, yeah, in summary, it's been a good year in terms of numbers, I think, you know, but again, that's not the main reason why I do this. Um, let's look at some reviews. Uh, I, I don't, Every now and then I'll go read some reviews on Theology and the Raw. Um, not that I'm not interested in getting critical feedback, but most of the time reviews I don't find uh, sometimes are helpful, you know, but they're also very anecdotal. Like I, I try to, there's other ways in which I try to get a pulse on um, how did this episode land? What could I have done better? What kind of follow-up episode should I have based on the response to this episode? Um, and, and so on and so forth. I do think through... Every time, um, how could I have done better? Should I have done that? You know, but I, I'm willing to roll the dice too. I mean, I did that recently, as many of you know, with a certain episode that was different than most theologian or episodes. Like, I'm willing to roll the dice and say, "Hey, I don't know. Let's try this." And if I look back and say, mm, "Wouldn't have done that again," I'm fine with that. So I hope you're okay with that. So if there's episodes you're like, "How dare you? I can't believe you did." I might even agree with you. I might be like, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that again. But I'm, I, I would rather err on the side of trying things out, rolling the dice, pushing the envelope, thinking outside the box, doing different things, pushing into conversations and in areas that that I'm interested in that I think other people are interested in. And I would rather do that than to simply play it safe, just just to have a bunch of safe conversations, safe guests on. Theology and Raw is not a safe podcast. Okay, so um, if there's an episode or two you really didn't like. Uh, maybe I didn't either. I don't know. And, and maybe I wouldn't have that person on again. Um, most of the reviews are very positive. Um, just a couple samples. Uh, this person says, uh, this is one of the best in a world of hostility. Preston is a thoughtful conversation partner who embodies and similarly long form conversations, the grace and truth that Jesus was known for. Uh, really appreciate that uh, review. Uh, really encouraging. That is something I strive to do. Um, Another review, positive review, says these are important, honest perspectives. Preston's podcast is a very valuable part of my mix. I appreciate his willingness and ability to engage tough subjects directly, honestly, and graciously. I hate even reading these almost because it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. It's not. I'll, I'll stop with the positive reviews. How's that? I guess I, I read these and it's like, uh, this is encouraging because this is what I'm striving to do. So with the other people are receiving that or hearing that, it's, that's encouraging. Okay. I, as you might know, I actually love the one-star reviews. I do. It's weird. I don't know. It's something the way I'm wired. I love, like I typically skip over the five-star, read them quickly, and then I go to the one-star reviews. I Fascinating. Like, like it's genuinely interesting. Um, so here, here's, I don't know. I, I actually copied a bunch of one-star reviews. I'm probably not going to get through all these, but um, this one, I, okay, th this title is Weak Watered Down Liberal Pro-Alphabet Soup. Do you remember Alphabet Soup? I grew up on Campbell's Alphabet Soup. And I, when I read this comment, I feel like I started like Pavlov's dog, Pavlov, Pavlov, Pavlov's dog. I started salivating because I just saw Alphabet Soup and I was craving soup all of a sudden. Um, he says, uh, uh, this is from Seraphim. This guy is so afraid to be disagreeable to every worldview on earth. Softball, weak sauce, minister. Uh, I received that. Um, I, I guess the one thing I would push back on is I'm not a minister. I'm just a podcaster. No, I, I receive that. That's, that's, I've, you know, uh, Seraphim's not the only one who would say, um, that I'm a watered down liberal. Um, what's funny is some, like a lot of the critiques, they'll flip flop, flip flop from like flip flop, flip, flip, flip. they'll flip flop from me being a, uh, watered down liberal to like a, a raging fundy. It's almost like back and forth. Boom, boom, boom. Like different guests. I mean, different, different reviewers. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, this next one, openly anti-trans and expanding platforms. I platform anti-trans speakers who expand the scope of hatred to anyone who use contraception. That one threw me for a loop. Like I wasn't, you know how your mind, like when you start reading something, your mind kind of almost subconsciously jumps ahead to what they're going to say especially when they use phrases like anti-trans, like you can almost fill in what is going to come next. Um, but the, anyone who hatred towards people who use 
contraception. I was like, oh, I was that's I wasn't expecting that. I, was, I mean, even now I'm trying to figure out the connection there. Is that a thing? Like, are anti-trans people also anti-contraception? Anyway, I, I was that kind of threw me for a loop. But I, mean, I think I might have to blame Matthew Lee Anderson on that one. Do you remember Matt Anderson's podcast where he um, de- defended the position that contraception is is immoral? Um, yeah, I actually I was I was I was wondering how that episode was going to land with people. I actually got a lot of really positive feedback. People really enjoy just his thoughtfulness and and just his ability to kind of provoke us to think about things that we typically don't don't think about. Um, so so that that review came right up close to this other review that said not biblical is the title. I find Sprinkle's approach to be heretical. Eh, take a number. Uh, his views and many of his guests coddle sexual immorality. So. One person says I'm anti-trans. The other one says I'm coddling sexual immorality. Uh, Christians should reject the subtle lies of the enemy disguised as kindness and grace. I agree. You should just, yeah, you should. I encourage everybody to reject subtle lies of the enemy that are disguised as kindness and grace. I would love to see a curious conversation between these two um, uh, reviewers. Oh, this, this one, this one, I got to admit, this one, this one was a little discouraging. Uh, The title is Sexist. Uh, the review is I judge leaders by how they treat women. Women are treated horribly on the show and constantly objectified, mocked, marginalized, and demonized. I am horrified by how women are referred to just another misogynist with a podcast, justifying their behavior in the name of Jesus. Why would I worship your God? If he hates women as much as you do, you treat women like cattle and just want us to be barefoot and pregnant. The one part that was discouraging with this is why would I worship your God if he hates women so much? Which I assume, I assume this person is not or no longer a Christian. And so that's discouraging. I, I you know, that uh, whatever validity there is to this complaint, uh, they walked away with this impression. And um, that's a hard thing, guys and girls. Like I, um, you know, like you have the curious conversations and, and people hear certain things, they feel certain things and people bring certain stories to the conversation and they, they hear the conversation through those, that lens. And, um, you know, if I don't push back on a point, they take that as I'm, I'm promoting that point. Or if I do push back on a point, they take it as a, I disagree with that point. I don't know. Like, Like when you have open, honest, curious conversations, there's going to be some people that are just going to really be offended by that, you know? And so I, I genuinely, like I, I, um, as much as I work extremely hard, not to self-censor myself, meaning like something comes in my mind and I want to say it and it's, so, or something I'm really thinking through. I'm like, oh, I don't want to say this because it might be offensive to some people. Oh, there's a place for that. Right. I mean, I don't think I just want like an open door to my brain. You, nobody wants that. Trust me. I mean, I have to live with myself and that's, that's, that's hard enough. So yeah, I, I think there is a place for like, not just depriving some filter, but I also don't want to self-censor where you're con- just, you're not even engaging in a curious conversation because you're so worried by how every single person is going to be offended at this, offended at that. But I would say I have been extra caught. Con- the one thing I do, I feel like try to, like I'm, I, when I have female guests on, I'm constantly nervous about like, cutting them off or talking over, or I'm constantly thinking, am I talking too much? Am I letting them talk enough? You know, is it going to look like I'm just mansplaining or, or, you know, talking over women guests or whatever? Like, so I, I do, I'm, I'm extra cautious at that just so you know. So if, 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 and it's, it's comments like this, sometimes it's like, I don't know how they got some of these barefoot and pregnant in cattle comments, or whatever, but this is how, this is how a human being felt by listening to something I said. So I'm, I, I do have that in the back of my mind where I'm like, um, especially with female guests, I, I'm extra cautious about making sure I'm not talking over them or, or, or sometimes I'm like, do I want to push back on this? Is it going to look like I'm, I'm a man, a man kind of dominating a woman or something like that. But I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that, I think women are insanely powerful and incredibly wise and intelligent. And it almost dehumanizes women if you sort of take, take the gloves off and, and are afraid to like push back on a point they're making. Cause it's like, wait a minute, that just, 
in a, in a, in a weird roundabout way, you're suggesting that they're actually too weak, that they can't handle an intellectual counter argument. Like that's actually very dehumanizing to women if you do take the gloves off. So this is the dilemma I sometimes find myself in, you know, not wanting to come off as this male dominating person. Um, but also like not, yeah, take, taking the gloves off. Not, that's a bad metaphor, but like not, not challenging a point simply because it's a female making it like that's actually dehumanizing towards women. It actually doesn't accredit them with agency. Um, the agency that they have is equally created in God's image, equally as intelligent as men, equally as capable of giving a profound argument, equally capable of handling a pushback and being able to push back towards me, you know? So anyway, that's, the small window into what's going on in my head with some of these things um, adds to uh, the next comment adds to cultural confusion. His response to my response to Andy Stanley's stance on LGBT issues is discouraging. If listeners want a biblically aligned worldview concerning the sin of homosexuality, seek out stand to reason Rosaria Butterfield and Christopher Yuan. I'm not sure that critique aged too well. That was from a three, three months ago, I think. Um, there's a bunch of others here that I can go through, but I, I, I'll save, I'll save you. I, I, I just, I enjoyed going through these myself and do I want to, nah, I'll skip the rest of these. You can, you can go read some of these, uh, reviews. All that to say, I really do value, I truly mean this from the bottom, bottom of my heart. I really value honest reviews. I would encourage everybody to leave a review. It actually does help, uh, the podcast become more known. I, it's something with the algorithms. I don't know, but like the more reviews the podcast has, the more it's going to pop up in other people's feeds. So if you want, um, if you want people to be aware of Theology Nara, whether it's because it's a horrible podcast and you want people to see how horrible it is, or if it's a helpful podcast and you want people to um, engage the podcast, um, leaving a review, even if it's a one-star review, three-star review, five, whatever, um, that does help the podcast. Although I think if it just gets a ton of one-star reviews, it might get canceled. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but I, I just know like leaving reviews do help. Uh, okay. My women in ministry journey. Um, I've already kind of spoken to this a little bit that, uh, I am still, I, I am trying to go as absolutely deep as I possibly can on every jot and tint tittle. Like I really want to not leave any stones unturned as I possibly can in the three and a half years I'm devoting to these questions. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to do more podcasts on this. Um, I think in the last year, because I was, I was working on two other book projects, which I'll talk about in a second. I, uh, took a break from podcasting on women in ministry. I still had guests on to talk about it, but I haven't given any kind of updates on my own research, but I've, I've spent the last six months, especially really digging back into, uh, the question of, of women in, in specifically women in leadership. Like I said, I, I, I've spent the last three months doing really extensive study on, on the Greek word kephale. And, and right now I just, um, I spent the last month researching first, uh, sorry, Ephesians 5, 21 to 33, 33, or 22 to 33, depending on how you break down the, the passage there. So I'm going to be, uh, continuing to blog through that. Yeah. I don't know if you know, I, I, I've read, I sort of dusted off the theology and raw blog and I have written already four or five lengthy blogs on the Greek word what does Paul mean when he says that man is ahead of a woman? Man is ahead of woman. And the, the blog is not your traditional blog where it's like 800 words. You know, it's they're they're more like lengthy. Yeah, I mean, some of them are like 5,000 word blogs with like heavy footnotes. Like it is me just trying to air out my research, my current thoughts. Um, they are not uh, written in stone. Uh, before it's a book, it's a blog. I like the blog when I'm like, 70, 80% leaning in a certain direction and, and try to make that argument and invite people to critique it. So the comment section is open on the blog. Some people have said it's really hard to find or do. I don't, I didn't, I don't think it is, but just so you know, you can drop a, I would highly encourage you drop a comment, push back, play devil's advocate. Like I, I I'm, I'm blogging through um, my current research in women and leadership uh, in order to invite as much critical feedback as I possibly can. I am not, uh, because I don't have a position I'm defending. Um, I'm trying to discover what I think the biblical authors 2000 years ago, uh, wrote on the, and, and believed wrote and believed about the topic. I'm trying to air out my thoughts and I'm trying to arrive at the truth, not defend a position. So I know some people like roll their eyes. No, no, you're a closeted egalitarian or closeted commentary or whatever. I don't, I'm not, but I would love to, 
I truly want as much critical feedback as I can. So if, if you have done research in this area, you have thoughts on it, uh, maybe, maybe preached several sermons on Ephesians five and you, you know, have some insight. I would love, love, love for you to leave a comment on the blog series. What I think I'm going to do is continue blogging through my current research area within this question of women in leadership. And then I'll probably do some podcast reviews, updates on that same area of research. But the, the, again, the place where you can leave comments is on, is on the blog, theologinraw.com. Go to, might be forward slash blog, or just go to the drop down box and you can find, find the blog. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to, yeah, in 2024, you'll, you'll see some more solo podcast episodes where I'll um, give an overview of kind of where I'm at on, on particular passages and themes. Uh, Exiles in Babylon Conference, uh, April 20, uh, April 18th through the 20th. Uh, that is coming up uh, in a few months. This conference, I, I, I yeah, I, I'm so excited about this. I, I've been excited about the first two. Um, I'm... I really want to blow the roof off of this next one, tackling all all the <laughs> topics that are that are uh, challenging and and uh, debated and volatile and and make people angry and everything. We're just going to go after all of them. We're going to be talking about deconstruction, reconstruction, and the gospel. You're going to hear from people who deconstructed. <laughs> this is and this also kind of goes against the whole platforming thing. Like like there was somebody who kind of was critiquing me for like, well, you have these speakers at your conference that don't agree with you or whatever. I'm like. Exactly. Like, that's what the all general is. Like, we, we, I want to hear from the proverbial horse's mouth what people actually believe. Like, instead of hearing from people who talk about people who deconstructed, I want to hear from people who have deconstructed. Because this is this is what the, this is the rub, right? You have people who haven't deconstructed who say, "Here's here's why people deconstruct," and, and maybe there's there's a place for that. There may be some truth to that. But why not ask why not ask people who deconstructed? why they deconstructed. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. Uh, we're we're going to get various kinds of deconstruction. Not every deconstruction is like Christian or non-Christian. We're going to get um, various perspectives from like, uh, um, do you want to know the details on this? So so uh, uh, Tim Whitaker is is there. He's going to share about why he went from kind of a very conservative evangelical perspective to a more, he doesn't like to term progressive. He likes to term new evangelical, but he he would line up with many uh, beliefs held in common with other Christians who would I say they're more progressive, uh, progressively Christian. And we're going to hear from Abigail um, Favalli, who was a conservative evangelical, went to a third wave postmodern feminist, back to a more conservative Catholic position. So her deconstruction journey, um, you just can't make up, right? I mean, just went in all various directions. Uh, we're going to hear from Amin Hudson, who um, is solidly uh, evangelical, uh, gospel-centered Christian, but kind of deconstructed from a white-dominated form of evangelicalism. And there's a lot of um, black evangelicals who kind of were nurtured in this kind of reformed brand of Christianity 10 years ago, who kind of, once they started talking a little bit too much about race, they kind of weren't, well, I'll let him, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, uh, I, I mean, is, has been become a friend from a distance. I love his podcast, Southside Rabbi podcast. So he's going to share his uh, deconstruction, which has more to do with race. And then, uh, Evan Wickham's going to talk about why he should have deconstructed in a sense. He has all, he checks off a lot of boxes on people who did deconstruct, you know, like the politicalization of the church and, and some of the problems with conservative evangelicalism, this and that. And, 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 but he's not, he's, he's more committed to Orthodox theology than not the church or Orthodox church, but like Orthodoxy than, than he ever has been. Uh, we're also going to talk about women, power and abuse in the church. We're going to hear from four women about, yeah, women, power and abuse in the church. I mean, it's that, that one's going to be incredibly important. And, and I, I'm, I'm nervous and excited about it. I'm nervous because as, as a, as a, as a, as a guy leading the conference and, and kind of managing that conversation or like, you know, being the host of that conversation. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I, I, I want to, I want the church to do insanely better than it has done in how it treats women. And again, not because, uh, not to defend a commentary or egalitarian position, but because wherever you're, wherever you land on, on the complementary egalitarian question, we can all agree that women have not been treated historically, have not been treated well in the church. They have been a victim of the abuse of power and power and abuse. We're going to have women, uh, gospel-centered women, help, help coach us through that. Um, how can the church be more inclusive for LGBTQ people, uh, for same-sex attracted or LGBTQ uh, Christians who believe in a historically Christian view of marriage and sexuality who are going to help us understand 
hear from, again, from the actual people, rather than having a straight pastor say, here's how we can be more inclusive. Let's hear from the very people we're trying to include. Like, what are some blind spots the church has? I shouldn't, I learned last year, I'm supposed to use the term blind spots. What are some areas of growth that we are, um, that, that, that we need to understand? What are some things that the, that the, that the church does sometimes subconscious or, um, intentionally or unintentionally that makes the church a really hard place for gay and lesbian, same-sex attracted Christians who believe in a historic Christian ethic that still makes it hard for them to flourish and contribute and follow Jesus. Um, that, ses- that session is going to be, I think that session honestly is going to be worth the price of the conference as a whole. Um, but all the, I, I mean, all these, I don't want to prioritize one or the, the other. Um, the final session is on three Christian views of politics. I have a left-leaning Christian, a right-leaning Christian, and then a sort of anti-partisan Christian, namely Brian's on, who's going to, uh, who they're going to give their perspective. I think they're going to overlap a, a bit and then they're going to diverge a bit. Um, and then we're going to engage and not a, this isn't a really good debate, but it is going to be a, um, a healthy critical dialogue, uh, about Christians and politics. And then we have some special events that are going to happen. We've got, um, yeah, I mean, Hudson from the Southside Rabbi podcast and, and Ruslan, a YouTube sensation, sensation, sensation. Would he call himself that? I don't know if he, sorry, Ruslan, if, if, if I'm calling you a YouTube some sensation and you're like, I don't like that phrase. So, but he is, he's super popular on YouTube and he's, he's a great, great, great interviewer. They're going to do a live podcast and I don't want to give too much away. There's gonna be lots of fun stuff there and a great time to connect with other uh, believers who are also passionate about having curious conversations. Um, if you are in Boise, so the first two years of the conference, Almost everybody that comes to the conference is from out of state or from at least out of boy. Yeah. Out of state. Really? Um, I've tried, I've like emailed every year. I email probably 50 pastors in town, uh, to let them know about the conference. You know, I can give you promo material. Can you let your people know that this is happening? I'm not, I don't, you know, feel like, I don't, I don't like that conference. It's totally fine. But like, it's unfortunate that there's, you know, a hundred thousand Christians in, in the treasure Valley, the greater kind of Boise area that, uh, and almost all of them don't even know about the conference. And, and at least some of them might be excited to come. So I email pastors every year. And, uh, I think last year I sent 50 emails out to pastors. I think I got one response, um, uh, maybe, maybe two. There's a couple churches I'm thinking of in particular, um, that, um, encourage some people to come, but yeah, if you're, I don't know what else to do locally. So, uh, we'll love to get more Boise people, um, in the Boise conference at the Algin Ross. So, um, if you are, uh, one of the few with the Algin Ross listeners who lives in the Boise area, um, would hi- I, I need your help. Like I would love for you to help spread the word about, um, the conference, um, tell your leaders about it, or if you are a leader, tell your people about it. Um, at least let them know that these are very important conversations that are happening. Um, we've got lots of churches around the country that would love, love to host this event. We've got I mean, requests from all over the country saying, can we, can we please host this? So um, there's a lot of interest outside of Boise. I think uh, Christians in Boise, I think, need to engage these conversations. And again, because they don't need to agree with everybody on stage because they can't, because there's diversity of viewpoints on the stage. But it is a place to come and be challenged in in what you think about these conversations. And it's I think it's a very gospel-centered conference. So anyway, if you are in Boise, I need your help to help promote this. You can, if you, if you need, let's see, promo material, we do have lots of social media graphics. I would say, um, you can email, let's see, Chris at theologinraw.com, C-H-R-I-S at theologinraw.com. Gosh, I hope that's my wife, not my brother, my wife. Uh, I hope she doesn't get flooded with too many emails, but yeah, if, if you want, uh, we can, we can give you some graphics to, uh, pass out, to hand out, maybe even some QR codes if people just need some quick quick info on it. Oh, also, if you're not in Boise and you're, and you are, atten- and you're not planning to come to the Boise, the conference in Boise, like live, we do have churches doing like watch parties. So again, you can email Chris at theologyandraw.com and uh, inquire about a church watch party. Um, there's several churches that are, that are doing that. They said, man, we got like 50 people on staff. We don't want to fly everybody out there, but we want to engage the conference and do it well and have, you know, like, uh, we want to talk through it. We want to discuss the the topics. So, um, I highly encourage you if, if you're, if you're a church leader and you're just like, man, we can't get all our people there. Yeah. You can inquire about hosting a watch party. That's kind of the next best, best thing I would say for me personally, 
like I totally understand people can't make it out here. It's expensive to you know fly and stay in a hotel and stuff. There's just there is something unique about the live venue. I think I think I think you would agree with me if that those of you who have been, it's it's a the, the space holds about 1,100 people, but it's very um, it's hard to describe. It's it's like a giant living room. Like it's you're very everything's very, it feels like a room of 500. Like I'm sure you just it's. Calvary Chapel, Boise, where I go to church. And, and I'm shocked when I look around, like a thousand people can fit in here. Like, it just seems like small and intimate. And I just, I love, I love that feel, um, that everything is very close and intimate, kind of raw and gritty. Like it's, it's an older building, you know? And, 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 um, yeah, anyway, um, can't wait. Sign up sooner and later. This uh, tickets are starting to sell pretty quickly now. It's, it's usually after the first when lots of people start signing up. So if you do plan on attending live in Boise, highly encourage you to sign up very soon so you don't miss out. Okay, looking forward to 2024. We're going to land this plane here in a second. Um, I am redoing my, po- not me, um, my daughter, Aubrey, and with some help from some, from some other people, they're redoing the Theology and Ross studio. So if you're watching on YouTube right now, this is the traditional studio, which is an absolute mess because you see all this like, junk laying on the floor and stuff. My books are all out of whack. And um, But if I'm going to take you over. I'm going to take you on a little tour. So if you're not on YouTube, you can check this out. So yeah, when I say new studio, basically I'm just, I've cleaned out the opposite corner of my unfinished basement. That's, that's quote unquote the new studio. So here's what's happening over here. You can see that nice light there, some other lights, my new chair, my desk. Uh, the background's gonna be, I can't really see it, but yeah, shoot. Anyway, that's what's happening. It's under construction right now, and it's going to it's gonna look better than that. Like the 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 yeah, it's gonna have a cool little background. Here's my yeah, I put that bookcase in a few months ago, hanging from the ceiling. Those are all my women in ministry books. Behind me, some yeah, nobody here has ever seen what's what I look at. I put in this bookcase above me. These are all my kind of sexuality books. Above that's got books on politics, transgender, kind of the stuff I'm constantly researching. Got my Malcolm X poster behind that light there, my MLK, Cody Bellinger, some family members there. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's going to be the new studio over there. It's going to look great, I think, hopefully. Um, for, the audio is probably not going to change. I do have a new mic and a whole new interface. So the audio may, it'll probably sound a little better, but I think it sounds pretty good now. Um, but the visual will be uh, a little more aesthetically pleasing. Unless you really like the books behind me, that we're, we're, that background is going to be uh, leaving us very soon. I have a couple books coming out in 2024. Uh, Exiles, The Church and the Shadow of Empire is kind of a biblical theology of a Christian political identity is, is the, the, the most concise way I can put it. Um, it's, it's, is it a book about politics? Well, kind of. Um, yeah, it's a book about a Christian political identity. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not going to address head on you know, all the political debates that we often engage in. Um, I just want to go back to the first century and say, how can we let scripture inform our modern day political identity? Very excited for that book to come out March 4th, I believe. So you'll be hearing more about that in the next several um, next several weeks. Also, some of you, I don't know if I'm allowed to announce this yet, but I'm going to just go ahead and do it. I'll let my publisher get angry later. No, I think they're fine. Um, so I, over the last few years, I've uh, served as, as a general editor of a new study Bible coming out called the Upside Down Kingdom Study Bible. Oh my word. I am so, yeah, oh my word. Oh, literally, like, oh my Bible. <laughs> oh my word of God. I, I'm so excited about this study Bible. It, it was a three, four-year project in the making. Um, I was able to enlist 40 or so different authors. Um, one of the big values of the study Bible is the I, want, I wanted the authors to reflect the kingdom of God. So we have authors that represent different denominations, different theological viewpoints within healthy evangelical thought. Um, we have ethnic diversity among the authors. We have almost half of the authors are, are women because half of the members of the kingdom of God are women. Um, and the focus of the study Bible is letting scripture speak to not just our private faith, but our public faith. How can, uh, well, what does scripture say about political questions, social questions, cultural questions, other theological questions? What does it say about sexuality? What does it say about um, immigration? What does it say about um, race relations? What does it say about 
um, trauma and abuse in the church? What does it say about uh, technology? What does it say? You know, a lot of these public questions that we have, a lot of these political questions that we have, this study Bible is focused on not bending scripture in a direction that it's not designed to go, but unleashing the profoundly political nature and social nature of, of scripture. So very excited for that study Bible to come out. It's supposed to release in August, 2024. So be on the lookout for that. I'll be talking about that in due time. Uh, very excited for the, some upcoming guests. Uh, we got John Mark Comer coming on the show. Uh, that'll drop in mid January. Munther Isaac, a Palestinian pastor and theologian. Evan Wickham's coming up here soon to talk about, uh, what, what it looked like for the church to be inclusive of LGBT people within the historically Christian sexual ethic. Julia Sadesky is talking about uh, how do we talk to our kids? When do we talk to our kids about sex? And lots of other engaging questions coming up. Uh, Long-term, I'm going to keep pushing into challenging topics, women and and church leadership, politics, especially given, you know, it's a very politically charged year, Uh, more episodes on Israel-Palestine, um, I will not play into the fear of platforming people that certain people disagree with. And did you know 2024 is going to be increasingly polarizing? We all know that, right? Like things are getting more and more polarized. So I want theology in a raw to not shy away from the tough topics, but to dive deeper into them in a manner that will not add to the polarization, but can hopefully model a better way to have curious conversations. So Final thoughts, sign up for Exiles 24, go to theologinraw.com where you can register. Uh, consider come becoming a Patreon, a, a supporter through Patreon. We have almost well, just over a thousand people in the Patreon Theologin Raw community. It would invite you to join that community. Lots of interesting things, conversations break out in, in the community. It's one of my favorite things about podcasting has become my, my Patreon community. It's just so many awesome people in there that I just would not have otherwise met. So very thankful for all of you who support the show. So, okay, coming up next, uh, Munther Isaac, a Palestinian Christian perspective on the war in Gaza. We will see you in a couple days. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.